Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. article recently published stated that NASA may have unknowingly found and killed alien life on Mars 50 years ago. It went on to hypothesize that experiments carried out by NASA's Viking lander in 1976 could have inadvertently killed microbes living in Martian rocks. Why? Because they didn't know what it was. Now that may be more science fiction than science. But it certainly raises the question, is there extraterrestrial life out there in outer space? Six years after Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, NASA launched unmanned Viking 1 on a mission to discover if there is life on Mars. After a year of travel, the spacecraft landed on the surface of the fourth planet from the sun, a cold, dusty desert world with a very thin atmosphere. When the lander returned to Earth seven years later after its launch and, and it returned in November 1982, scientists concluded that the atmospheric conditions on Mars do not allow it to sustain life. But what about other planets? Is it possible that there is extraterrestrial life out there in outer space? As you read through the Holy Scriptures, you can quickly answer that question Yes. There is certainly life out there beyond human life. It is the unseen realm, and there are invisible creatures traveling about, probably faster than the speed of light. They are celestial beings which travel between Earth and Heaven. Some are our, some are our friends, and they are for us. Some, our, some are our enemies, and they are against us. They are powerful. They are frightening, and the Lord wants us to understand that we are in conflict with an innumerable host of invisible enemies. The title of this morning's message is, Are You Winning in the Spiritual Battle? Are You Winning in the Spiritual Battle? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word this morning. And Lord, I'm constantly seeing videos of people saying that there's life out there, talking about phenomena that can't be explained. I read about NASA having special departments that look into UFOs and all this type of stuff. I can't answer all that. And that's not my comment this morning, but I know there's life out there. I know there's invisible life forms out there. The Bible calls them angels and demons. Some are good, some are bad. Lord, we need to know about this. We need to know what to do about it, Lord. I know when people uh, when, when, when people talk about it and see phenomena, it scares them half to death, but we have nothing to be afraid of. We just need to believe your Bible. Lord, I pray you speak to our hearts this morning. Engage us. Lord, we're in this spiritual battle. We're in it. Engage us in it, Lord. Please bless your word in a very special way. In Jesus' precious name. 
Amen. First thing I want to share with you, number one, I, I asked the question, are you winning in a spiritual battle? We are in a spiritual battle, but number one, to win, you must be aware of your spiritual enemies. There are some people who are just completely clueless. They're living in with their head in the sand, or they're playing around with it. But it's real. It's very, very real. I was speaking to, with Brother Paul and I, we were speaking to another fellow called Paul on the doors yesterday, and we were talking to him about spiritual uh, possession and uh, some experiences that Brother Paul has had back in his own country in Nigeria. And, and uh, the, the man said, no, the, the, your, your mind, you're seeing things. You know, he's just ignorant. Because the reality is, possession is real. Spiritual, the spiritual realm is very real. And, and, and demons and devils attacking us is very, very real. Brethren, our enemies are not people. The Bible says in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I understand there are people out there you'd rather not be around. There are a lot of uh, people you'd rather avoid, perhaps. There's a lot of decent people out there, but there are also difficult people. There are, there are also selfish people, and there are thugs out there. I was speaking to a professional this week, and uh, he was helping me through some issues we're having concerning our building, and we have to, I have to deal with a lot of other people because the people we are paying to do the job aren't doing their job, but that's another story. We're, we're working through that with the, with, with the commission, with the, with the directors, but I was talking to a professional who's helping me. It's interesting that people who are helping us the most are people who are getting, not getting paid for it. Isn't that interesting? But anyway, I was talking with him, and, and uh, he said, oh yeah, my, uh, my, my, um, one of my workers didn't come in this week on Wednesday, and he was wondering where she was. And the next day, or the next time he saw her, should I say, he said, where were you? And she said, oh, my son was walking through a Trucan with his girlfriend, and they jumped on him. Some, some guys just jumped on him, and they gave him a hiding. And now he is in Tala Hospital in an induced coma with a broken jaw. There are thugs out there, aren't there? Unprovoked, unprovoked thugs. We can get really angry with people, but brethren, our battle is not with foolish people who give themselves into the hands of our spiritual enemies. We wrestle not with them. We wrestle with the spiritual enemies. The Bible says in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle with them. According to the Olympic website, and I'm looking at the official Olympic website, the original wrestling, which goes back to the Greek, to Greek times and even Greco-Roman times, was barbaric. There were very few rules. Lots of bloodshed, and the way it ended was surrender. You raised your index finger to say, I surrender, and very often they wouldn't surrender, so they'd end up dead. That's barbaric. That's on the official Olympic website. Isn't that interesting? Brethren, we don't battle with people like that. But we have another battle that we need to get down on, on the ground and have hand-to-hand -hand combat and combat and foot-to-foot -foot combat with these demons. Bible says we, we battle against invisible principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities refer to chiefs, magistrates, chief rulers. These are the top-ranked malicious demons, first in position. A principality is a state ruled by a prince, and this is clearly illustrated in Daniel chapter 10. Keep your marker there in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 10. I want you to realize what's going on out there, brethren. We need to understand what's going on out there. Daniel chapter 10 in your Bibles. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was praying and fasting for three weeks and he was seeking the Lord. We see that from verse 1 to verse 3. But finally, an angel came to explain the vision that Daniel had received. Verse 4, it says here, the angel said, In the four and twentieth day of the first month, sorry, 
This is Daniel still speaking. As I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, then I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and behold, a certain man, and here's the angel, clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body was like the beryl, his face as the appearing of light, appearance of lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet in color as polished black brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. This is a scary creature. It's a powerful creature, much more powerful than Daniel. This was an angel. He was a good angel, praise the Lord. He was on the right side here. And this angel, the Bible tells us, responded immediately when Daniel prayed. Verse 12, then said he to me, the angel said to Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. Brethren, I want to tell you something. When we set our hearts to seek God in prayer, God begins immediately to answer. Immediately. But we don't always see. You say, why do I see it? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Because for every time we lift a prayer before God for great needs in our lives, there are demons standing in our way. And the bigger the prayer, the bigger the need, the greater the demon. We're reading about the disciples. We're talking about healings on, on Wednesday night. And you say, I'm not going to talk about it this morning. You'll have to listen to Wednesday recording on YouTube if you want to know what we, the Baptists, have to say about the healings. But we were talking about that. And the Lord Jesus Christ was on the Mount of Transfiguration, being transfigured before Peter, James, and John, while the rest of the disciples were at the base of the mountain trying to cast a demon out of a demon-possessed boy. But they couldn't. I'll tell you why they couldn't, brethren. Because the demon they were coming up against is too strong. And brethren, there are times when we're trying to seek the face of God and we feel like we're getting nowhere. And I'll tell you why we're getting nowhere. The demon is too strong. It's too strong. We can't, we can't handle it. It's overwhelming. But Daniel was not overwhelmed by that demon. Look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, 21 days, three weeks, that demon from, from over the, the principality over Persia. He's withstood Daniel's, uh, well, Daniel's prayer, should I say, 21 days. But what was Daniel doing while this demon was trying to hinder him? Daniel was praying. I'm here to tell you this morning, brethren, there's power in prayer. The reason why we're not seeing God do things that we'd love to see is we don't believe in prayer. You see, how do you know we don't believe in prayer? Because when it's Wednesday night and it's prayer meeting, people don't turn up. That's how I know. When we call for a special prayer meeting, people don't turn up. If you believe in prayer, you'd be down here. Otherwise, you'd nothing to pray about. I'm sure you'd to pray about. Brethren, we need to revive our hearts. For God, we have to stir up our souls for God and say, Lord, I know why we, we live in a spiritual realm. I know I'm in a spiritual battle. I know these demons and these, these, these foes and these invisible foes are against me. But I know you're for me. And I believe in prayer. And I'm not willing to give up. By God's grace, help me, Lord. I'm not willing to stop. I'm not willing to give up until you answer my prayer. Those are the prayers that get heard. Can you hear an amen for that? We've got to start believing in prayer again, brethren. We, we've been lied to. We've been deceived. We have been conned out of the blessings of God by liars and deceivers. And they're invisible. We're here, I'm here to tell you this morning, God answers prayer. And he wants to answer prayer. But we have spiritual battle we've got to work through. We've got to work through. We battle invisible principalities. We battle invisible powers. Look at verse 12 again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're back in Ephesians 6. But against principalities. Against powers. Against powers. Powers are those devils with invested authority. Satan has an organized invisible kingdom. He's at the top. Principalities are underneath him. Then there are powers that rule over countries, states, and provinces. And they are powerful. 
We battle them and we battle the rulers of the darkness of this world. Verse 12, it says here, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. They rule the night and not the day. They involve themselves in the unfruitful, the unfruitful works of darkness. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, it's a shame to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. The wickedness that makes its ways into the legislation of our countries is decided at nighttime by demons. Who's behind all this woke ideology? Who's behind abortion, euthanasia, perversion, cancel culture? It's ultimately not man, brethren. It's the works of darkness. I know, I have friends, I mean, they're close friends, and they're all about the conspiracy theory. Now, I understand all that conspiracy theory will eventually be fact. I get that. But I've got books on my shelf that talk about what they want to accomplish that go back five and six hundred years. This has been going on for hundreds of years, brethren. Some people believe that there's a select group of people who want to rule the world and they want to reduce the population to an ideal half a billion and they're using cancel culture, climate change and fascist ideology to drive their, their propaganda and their agenda. Some think this world is controlled by the Illuminati, others think it's the Vatican, others think it's the World Economic Forum, others think it's the Federal Reserve, others think it's the Associated Press. By the way, uh, all the news outlets, do you, know, do you ever notice that all the media say the exact same thing? Do you ever notice that? Yeah. That's because they're all run by the same people. I, know, I, heard, I read in the news that Rupert Murdoch just stepped down from the headship of Fox News. I wonder what, what his son's going to do, bring in change. I wonder. But Rupert Murdoch owns the liberal newspapers too. It's just a game. It's just a game. Some people think that the G20 rules the world or the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. But I'm here to tell you something. None of them do. It's demons that are behind all this. Invisible demons. They rule the world system. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We all battle spiritual wickedness, every one of us. They're, well, they're a well-organized army with ranks in high places. They are superhuman. We, have no, we are no match against them. You say, let me illustrate this. We have to bring rugby into this because Ireland won yesterday. It'd be like me going on for South Africa saying this, I'll help you out because your scrum half, you know, is going off for, that scrum half is actually really good. Oh, I'll take the last 10 minutes to play for you. I would get absolutely creamed. They'd have to peel me off the ground and put my bones together again if I got any tackles. You see some of those guys there, you know, uh, the guy with the lock of ponytail, what's his name then? James Lowe. James Lowe. Did you see the way he picked up the, 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 the fly half? He was so impressive. It was great, but I'd be absolutely great. No match whatsoever against these guys. None of us are any match against the spiritual wicked in my place. Not a hope. You might as well try and help Man United get another goal against Birmingham. We have to fight them. But only we as Christians can wage warfare against these demons. I want to tell you something. Only we as Christians can. Lost people can't fight them because lost people are on their side. Can you with me here this morning? Only Christians can fight them. To win, you must be aware of your spiritual enemies. But number two, to win, you must combat your spiritual enemies. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Demons have the power to make our lives miserable. Have you ever seen somebody who's demonized? Now the word demon possession and demon oppression is, is an English phraseology that you won't find in scripture. You, you find the word demonized in the Bible and there's different levels of demonization. But have you ever seen somebody who is demonized? They are miserable. And their life is destroyed. They're just they're full of hate. They're full of bitterness. They're full of evil. And cursing continually comes in. And you mention the name of God, you better get out of there. But then you've got other people who see demons and everything. I remember praying with a preacher years ago. And I went over to visit him. It was in another country. And he was claiming the blood of Jesus over his meal. 
Brethren, Jesus didn't die on the cross for your dinner, amen? He died on the cross for your sins. You don't need to cleanse your dinner in the blood of Jesus. You need to cleanse your soul in the blood of Jesus. But some people see demons in everything. And he had this ministry called ministry. And he's casting demons out of people. Now I understand some people are demonized, but not everybody is demonized. And not every problem you have is because of a demon. Every problem you have is probably because of you, if I can put it that way. I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all. I really am. I understand some horrible things happen to people. I get that. But it's how we respond to it all. Because if it's everybody else's fault, if it's demon's fault, you're a victim and you'll never get free. But if it's because of how you respond to those demons or how you respond to what people did to you, you can deal with you and you can change and you can get victory. Can I hear an amen for that? All of you in this room, all of us in this room, everybody in this whole world can walk in victory if we'll take the right steps. And I'm glad to be able to say that to you this morning. Some people blame devils for all sorts of sicknesses and diseases. Now, I understand demons can cause that. I understand that. But it's not everyone. They blame demons for temptations and the inability. I've seen, I've heard of Christians who use demons as their excuse why they can't get victory over sin. That's false, brethren. The Bible says that this is the victory we have. It. We have the victory in Jesus Christ and he's the one that has overcome the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. That's what the Bible says. No one has any excuse to live in defeat when we can live in victory. That's the truth. Otherwise, you might as well all live in... I have no message. Go home and watch the rest of the football and the rugby. Because I have nothing to say if we can't live in victory. Brethren, don't go. Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> People will be, may get extreme. And, but the reality is that demons are real. And demons can make life very difficult for us. In fact, they can give us an evil day, which is literally a bad day. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Demons can have a, help us to have, help us, cause us to have a bad day. We must battle them with the whole armor of God. Brethren, it just befuddles my mind. That's not even proper English, but it sounds good. It confuses me as to why people will enter who are Christians will enter into the, this, the, enter their day without having the, the armor of God on. We're living in complete ignorance of a central truth that we need to be aware of. There are devils and demons that want to destroy you. We must put on the whole armor of God. And if we're going to battle them, well, if you don't want to battle them, just the take hits, keep taking hits. And there are Christians out there who walk around like, like Muhammad Ali. Have you ever seen him? And he goes to the ring and, and the guy's flying and pointing and he's going like this. And he's brilliant to watch. But he's also fast and they keep missing. But we go into a spiritual battle and we get hit and we get leveled. And we have a bad day. Brethren, no, put on the whole armor of God, the Bible says. Take on to you the whole armor of God to be able to withstand in that evil day, brethren. If we are going to engage in battle, we need to be armed. I know it is called the armor of God. It's not our armor, it's God's armor. We have no strength of our own. We have no power of our own in this conflict. We need to withstand, which means to stand against, which means to oppose our diabolical attackers. We can't just take it sitting down. I remember years ago, this guy came into our church and uh, he was threatening people. But you know what? Some, some other guy who was bigger than me said, you're not afraid of him? I said, no. I wasn't afraid of him. Why? Because you have to stand up to bullies. Those demons are bullies. You've got to stand up against, you've got to withstand in that evil day. And the Bible says we need to stand firm and not fall when we're under attack. We need to be able to stand. Brethren, many fall when temptations or trials or challenges come their way. Oh, here's a temptation. I think I'm going to fall now. See you later. That's not how we deal with it. Proverbs 24 verse 10. If thou, found, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I'll be honest with you this morning, our strength is small, isn't it? My strength is small. Your strength is small. We're going to struggle when we're attacked, aren't we? And we're going to easily fall. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, Who is weak, and I am not weak? 
He knew he was weak. We're all weak. The right temptation, I constantly tell this to the Lord. The right temptation at the right time could crush me and end everything for me. Isn't it true? We're all weak. We just have to realize that. And the Bible says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was weak. I am weak. You're weak. We're all weak. Proverbs 24, 16. A just man falleth seven times. Isn't that encouraging? We're going to fall. But he rises up again, doesn't he? And that's what we need to do. Many fall far too easily when challenges come. Brethren, it would be better to stand. We need to learn to stand. We need to put on the whole armor of God. We can only successfully stand with the whole armor of God. So let's take a look at this. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We need to combat with the belt of truth. The opposite of truth is lies and deception. And deception is a powerful tool of the enemy. Satan is a deceiver and he's a father of lies. There is no truth in him and he abides not in the truth. In fact, he hates the truth. He would have every believer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, like that lady I was speaking with yesterday, which I think she has a Hindu background. Oh, I believe in Jesus and I believe in Allah and I believe in Buddha. And she wants to believe in everything. But she's been tossed around. And I talked to this other fella, and he was from a Filipino Church of Christ. I don't know, familiar what was that, but he told me, but his religion, they don't believe that Jesus is God. I, I haven't heard of that, that branch of it, but that's what he told me he is. And he told me how many, how many branches they had around the world, and how many nationalities they were reaching. And I said, that's great, but you know, there's more Catholics than that, are they right? There are more Muslims than that, are they right? Everybody can't be right. Not everybody can be right. Some people are wrong. And some people are being tossed to and fro with every window talking. Oh, he said this, but she said that. And he said, I need to talk with my pastor. I said, stop there. I said, I'm going to tell you something that I would say if it was one of my congregation that were talking to somebody else who didn't believe what we believe. Read your Bible. Amen. Stop looking to somebody to answer your questions. Get the answers yourself. Get in your Bible. Get the answers for yourself. And I said, I'm challenging you. Read through the New Testament and ask yourself, what does Jesus Christ say about himself? And I can tell you, Jesus Christ says he's God. Amen. Amen. I and the Father are one. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. one. He that had seen me had seen the one. Father. All the way through, Jesus is God. Amen. For which of these... Uh, things I, for which of these miracles are you going to stone me for? And we don't stone you for your miracles, but because you made yourself equal with God. I don't remember Jesus correcting them on that one, do, do, do you? He is God. My point is, Jesus is God, but only people with blindness and blinkers over their eyes who, who listen to man, who listen to men, refuse plain teaching from the Word of God because men tell them otherwise. It's clear. I shared with this man, and he was a nice guy. We had, a, a, I think, a decent conversation. I just wanted to challenge him. I said, Jehovah Witnesses called on my door years ago. I said, do you believe in hell? So I said, yes, I believe in hell. I said, Jehovah Witnesses called on my door years ago. And I read from Revelation about the lake of fire, and they basically, the guy said, that basically, it doesn't mean what it says it means. I said, but that's what it says. I said, I'm reading my Bible, and this is what it says. And the reason why he said that is because he's a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures, and his little book tells him that the Bible's wrong. And this man, who's from another religion, says, no, my leader says the Bible's wrong, so therefore the Bible's wrong. No, read the Bible for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, and there's tons of doctrines out there just to confuse us. And who's behind all these different religions and all this confusion? I'll tell you, the devil. Demons from hell. That's why there's so many doctrines. But we need to know the truth. You should know the truth, and the truth should make you. know the truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. Do you want to be ashamed when you stand before God? No. Then study. Study for yourself. Get the truth for yourself. Dig deep. It's great fun. You'll enjoy it. I promise you. In complete contrast to these lies of Satan, 
Truth came by Jesus Christ, John chapter 1, verse 7. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Does Jesus care about truth? Yes. Does Jesus care about doctrine? Does he care about doctrine? Because yes. it's truth. Doctrine, pure doctrine is truth. Those with the love of God in their hearts rejoice in the truth. 1 Corinthians 13. That is why we need to receive the word of God in truth. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It is God's answer to Satan's lies. Brethren, we need to know the truth. Otherwise, how are we going to combat Satan? Well, I'm going to go into battle, but I don't think I'll wear the belt of truth. Well, guess what's going to happen to your, the rest of your armor? It's just going to all fall out. You need to be girded with the with the belt of truth. Brethren, we need to make truth important to us. Why? Because it's important to God. Because it's part of your spiritual armor. We've got to combat lies. We need to rightly divide the word of truth to be approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Brethren, I know this church. I know some people think this church is perfect. They said they, they absolutely love this church. I know we as a church are problems. We're not perfect. But I know this. Truth is important to us. And I also know this. If we do, are, are doing something wrong and someone shows us from the Bible we're wrong, we will change. Can I hear an amen for that? Yeah. Our doctrine comes from here, not for some tradition we heard somewhere along the line. Truth. Here's the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. We need to think that way. We need to keep thinking that way. As the girdle kept the soldier's armor together, so the belt of truth and pure doctrine keeps us together. It's core to the armor of God, and truth is core to our armor. Rather, we put on the belt of truth every time we study the Bible. When we get into the Bible, that's why Bible says, I love Wednesday nights. I really do. Of course I love preaching on Sunday morning. Don't misunderstand me. I love Wednesday nights. Why? Because we study the Bible. I love Sunday school class. Why? Because we study the Bible. I love to study our truth. I love to discuss truth with other people. That's the armor. It keeps our armor together. We must combat with the belt of truth. We, number two, we enter combat with the breastplate of righteousness. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I realize that many of my sermons are about Christian character and conduct. But there's a reason for that. And I want to explain why. Number one, the New Testament has a lot to say about our character and our conduct. A lot. But number two, the reason why we talk a lot about character is because it's the breastplate of righteousness. Now one thing I didn't realize, and maybe I just never noticed it before, but the breastplate had two parts. Front and back. It covered the whole thorax. That's the largest part of your body. It's the easiest target. If, if I'm going to shoot at someone, I'm an awful aim. In fact, I'm really, I, I actually am a really good aim. I, I, was, I was playing, uh, we were shooting with real guns, and people, everybody was behind, behind us, was in the States, and I was shooting with real guns. And I probably hit the target about three times. But it was Josh's target, not mine. <laughs> I'm brutal. I'm a brutal aim. But if I'm going to take an aim, I'm going to aim for the thorax, because that's the easiest part to hit. It's the easiest part to hit. And that's what the devil does. He, he goes right for our sternum, right for our heart, right for the easiest part to hit. And we need a breastplate of righteousness to keep us safe. It offered the most defense, the breastplate did. It protected vital organs. Similarly, pure living provides significant defense for us as soldiers. When we face, fail to live pure and godly lives, and some Christians just don't really pay attention to the, the purity of life. But when Christians fail to live pure, what they're doing is creating more battles for themselves. Brethren, we're in enough battles. I face enough battles without making life difficult for myself. So we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why start having to deal with friendly fire from yourself, if I can put it that way? We enter into combat with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness. But thirdly, we enter the belt of the, 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 the uh, combat with the gospel shoes. Look at verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shoes protected feet from sharp objects as they entered into enemy territory. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let me ask you a challenging question. When was the last time you purposely tried to share your faith with somebody? Now, you don't have to answer the question out loud. I'm just think about it. When was the last time you purposely tried to share the gospel with somebody? I'm challenging you to make it a regular occurrence. Let your feet be beautiful. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who do preach the gospel and share the gospel. You say, I'm nervous, but you want beautiful feet. No, it's better to have beautiful feet. Brethren, when we go out and share the gospel, we're entering into enemy territory. We're facing Satan head on. And his devils and his demons and his principalities and powers and rules of the darkness and spiritual weakness. We're going against them. And when we make ourselves busy with the Lord's business, then we are looking to gain territory for our master. Wouldn't you agree there's a lot of territory we need to gain? Look at what has happened to Ireland. Look what the demons and devils have done to this country. We have some work to do. We need to start gaining territory. And you know what? The pro-life campaign said that the battle was lost on the ground. And I don't know if they fully understood what they were saying, but they were dead right. The battle has been lost on the ground because God's people have gone to sleep. We're not about the Lord's business. I mean, we should be, every person we come across, we need to be making sure that somebody has told them about Jesus. If you're saved, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you have a testimony to share. And people need to hear what God has done in your life. They need to hear the victory God has given you over sin. They need to hear the joy that God has put in your heart. They need to hear about the peace you have with God. They need to hear that you're living victoriously. They may not need to hear about the spiritual battle. That's another day's conversation. But we need to start gaining territory. We need to take them from, they're on the wrong side. Evan Ferguson plays for Brighton, right? Right? But he's also one of the best hopes for Irish soccer. He scored a hat-trick for Brighton against a team that beat Manchester United. I have to bring football illustrations in here. But he also has English blood in him. Now don't, don't shoot him for some of you die-hard Irish people. He also has English blood in him. And he could play for England, but he's chosen to stay with Ireland. I'm glad about that. We have to choose sides. And we need to bring people who have English hopes to the Irish side so we can get a better team. But even more importantly, we need to bring people from the wrong side. I'm not saying England's the wrong side. I have English plus like everybody else. But anyway, that's not my point. We need to bring people from the Satan side to God's side. We need to enter into his territory. We need to wage warfare against them. We need to have our gospel shoes on. We need to be about the Lord's business and stop making excuses as to why we can't go out. Because every excuse makes us absent without leave. AWOL. And too many of God's precious servants are AWOL. We don't need to be AWOL. We need to be about the Lord's business. We have Saturday soul winning. You, you can learn how to win souls coming out on a Saturday. And you can practice then on those precious people you love and tell them about Jesus. Share your testimony. Tell them what God has done for you. We need to get our gospel shoes involved in our spiritual battle. Those who don't evangelize brethren are very little threat to Satan. Because they're not going forward. They're just going with the flow. Very little threat to Satan. But those who pass out tracks and share Christ with what with, with, with others, they, they're putting Satan on the offensive. Making Satan mad. He already is mad. But you know what? When Satan gets angry, then you're going to get a reaction. So what do you do? I, again, I love sport because sport makes such a great illustration. I can see those, those South African players go, come on, come on, come on. I can see the Irish players right on the line, but two meters from the Irish line. Come on, lads. And then your man 
I keep forgetting what the hair what's his name? James Lowe. Turns over the ball. It was brilliant. Brilliant steal. And you know what? When Satan attacks us, just fight back harder. Fight back harder. You say how? I'm glad you asked. We need to, we can only make progress, spiritual progress with the shield of faith. Look at verse 15. Verse 16, isn't it? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Those fiery darts, you know, I think you know what they are. They, they, the bow and arrow, and the arrows would, ha would, would have a fuel over them, and they'd light them, and they'd set them on fire, and they'd let go, and then they'd burn everything down that, that, that hits them. But if you have the shield of faith, those fiery darts are quenched. And when you trust the Lord and you say, I can't do this on my own. God, if you don't do if you don't get involved in this, I'm, I'm going to fail. If you don't get involved in this, no one's going to listen to me. If you don't get involved in this, it's just a complete waste of time. And, and God is for us. And we've got to believe that he can strengthen us and he can empower us. And his Holy Spirit can awaken people who need to hear the truth. That's the shield of faith, isn't it? Believing. Trusting in Christ. We cannot advance in the Christian life or in the Christian cause without faith. When we, when we seek to gain ground from our enemy, again, he gets mad, he casts fiery darts, and the vilest of temptations from hell will come your way. But how do you combat those violent temptations? Do you know what Satan's really good at? Reminding you of stuff you haven't thought about for 30 years. And he reminds you, and he shoves it in your face, and he tempts you, and he tempts you, and he tempts you. And what you need to do is, God, help me. And do you know what the Lord Jesus does? He sends his sweet angels to minister to us. Aren't you glad about that? He sends his sweet Holy Spirit to fill us. His grace empowers us. And it's a wonderful work of grace when we're weak. But that's what we need, brethren. It's a shield of faith. Trusting in one who is much more powerful than us. We make spiritual progress with the, with the shield of faith because the Bible says this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We can overcome anything Satan throws at us through faith. Anything. Because we're not trusting in ourselves, our weak little selves. I mean, how pitiful. For us to think that we can, we can trust in ourselves. We're trusting in omnipotence. Wouldn't you agree with that? Amen. We make spiritual progress with the shield of faith, but we also enter combat with the helmet of salvation, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Armies flee in battle because soldiers lose their heads. The battle is won or lost in the mind. I think we all understand that. If, if you give in to temptation, you lost the battle first and foremost in your head. So if you're going to win, if you're going to stand firm, that you need the helmet of salvation on. Protect that head of yours. It's our salvation that keeps us moving forward. We know we're on the winning side. We end. The, we read the book of the, the book of Revelation. We read the ends. We know what's going to happen in the end, right? You know, I enjoy that. I, why do I keep going back to sport? Because it illustrates so well. I could watch the highlights again of Ireland versus South Africa. I, say, I know what's going to happen. I see them only a few inches from our try line, but I know who's going to win. I get excited about that. Before the kids went to bed, when Ireland scored that try, I was shouting the house down. When the kids went to bed, I was just clapping really loud. John came to, came to me down in the morning. He said, Dad, I knew Ireland win by the way you were clapping. They won. Because I couldn't shout. I had to control myself. It's great to know who wins, isn't it? And we're on the winning side. And the helmet of salvation reminds us that we're on the winning side. And the next time the devil reminds you of your past, reminds him of his future. We're on the winning side. And even though we don't feel victorious right now, the helmet of salvation reminds us that ultimately victory is secure. So it's all okay. It's all going to be okay. Ruth could rest in her redemption, because she knew it was going to be okay. We talked about that in Sunday school class. I want to ask you the question, do you have that helmet of salvation? Are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? You say, I've been coming to church for years. I didn't ask you to have been coming to church for years. Actually, are you saved? It's a very different question. You say, but I served, I've done this. I'm not asking you what you've done. I'm asking you, do you have the helmet of salvation on? Because if you don't have the helmet of salvation, you're in trouble eternally in trouble. 
you're defenseless. Just one blow to the head, you're gone. We also enter into combat with the sword and the spirit. Look at verse 17 now. What good is a soldier with no, with no weapons? Verse 17, take the, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is sharp than any two-edged sword. The word of God is full of promises and there are multiple promises to answer. I want to tell you something this morning. Satan is filled with lies. But there is a promise for every lie Satan throws in your face. In fact, that's not even true. There are ten promises, or a hundred promises, or a thousand promises for every lie Satan throws in your face. That's the sword of the Spirit. Use it. Memorize the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Use the Word of God, word of God and overcome with the Word of God, because it's a powerful sword. What great armor we have. And finally, we enter combat, the final piece of the armor, with, the, with persistent prayer. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, when watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication with all saints. Four times do I see the word prayer mentioned there. Verse, verse 18, praying. That's number one, always. With all prayer, number two. And supplication, number three. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, number four. God wants us to pray. God wants to revive something in our lives that we're not doing, brethren. Because he knows we need this. Persistent prayer means praying always and watching always for answers. That's what it means to persistently pray. And brethren, sometimes we need people to hold our hands when we pray. When you're going through a hard time, isn't it such an encouragement when somebody contacts you and says, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Sometimes people will do that out of the blue, right? And you needed that. And I know when people do that to me, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I need this. We need this. Persistent prayer reminds us that we need to be armed with the belt of truth because lies, deception, and doctrines of devils abound. We need truth. Persistent prayer reminds us we need to be armed with the breastplate of righteousness. We can't excuse sin. We can't play with sin. We can't give place to the devil. Persistent prayer reminds us we need to be armed with the gospel shoes. Others are caught up in the snares of Satan, and we want to help them and set them free. Brother Paul and I went to see another guy called Paul when we were at Soul Winning yesterday. And you know what? He sounded a lot like Stephen Fry. If anybody saw that interview with Gay Burnham on the meaning of life, bitter. He used the same lines. Bitter. Some people are just so bitter. Caught up with bitterness. They need help. We need to be praying for them. We need to be reaching out to people like that. May God keep these people on our hearts. Persistent prayer means uh, reminds us that we need to be armed with the shield of faith. When we start thinking we're strong enough, the devil has us just where he wants us. Persistent prayer reminds us we need to be armed with the helmet of salvation. It's a long, drawn-out battle, brethren. We need the victory. Persistent prayer reminds us we need to be armed with the sword of the Spirit. We need the Word of God if we're going to advance in this battle. And I want to advance because I am so sick of defeat, aren't you? Aren't you? Don't we want to go forward? We need to be armed properly. Persistent prayer, the whole armor of God builds a massive hedge of protection around us so we can live in peace and in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can only have that joy when you're properly defended. Would you agree with that? Yes. Some people try to manufacture that joy. But the reason why they're manufacturing that joy is because they don't have it. The reason why they don't have it is they don't have the armor around them. Get the armor on. You don't have to manufacture anything. Just rest in the joy of the Lord. Just rest in the joy of the Lord. So we said this morning, to win, you must be aware of your spiritual enemies. Number two, we said, we, to, to win, you must combat your spiritual enemies. But number three, and you're probably not expecting this, you must not focus on your spiritual enemies. Some people see demons in everything, and they focus on an enemy far too much. And you know what? It's a snare that's going to entrap them. Verse 10 and verse 11, the Bible tells us, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
When Israel focused on the monster of an enemy called Goliath, they trembled and they crumbled and they were about to fall. But when they got their eyes off Goliath and they got their eyes on David, everything changed. Isn't that right? We must not focus on our spiritual enemies. Brethren, this morning, I want to wrap this whole thing on, up by saying you need to focus on the Lord. Amen. That's how you win the victory. Focus on the Lord. Three times the Bible tells us in verse 10, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Be strong means to be endued with power. His power, not ours. And, and, and power means dominion. He's the Lord of all. Every knee is going to bow before him. You need to realize that, that he has the authority over all. So don't be worried about what the devil throws in your face. Just, just worry about being submission to Christ. And might refers to his ability and strength. Aren't you glad that we worship a God who is all-powerful? So as we close, let me ask you. Have you been wondering, who is the most powerful force on earth? What is the most powerful force on earth? Well, I'll tell you, in 2021, it wasn't India, with 1.3 million personnel, 15 subs, and a budget of 50 billion. It wasn't India. It wasn't China, with 2.3 million in their military, 67 subs, and a budget of 216 billion. In contrast, the number one country spent more on its defense than the other nine behind it put together. Yes, you guessed it, USA, with 1.4 million personnel, 72 subs, spent over 600 billion on leading edge technology. That was 2021, now it's 800 billion. That's a lot of money. That's mighty. But I want to tell you something, there's a might that is greater than any might on earth. There is one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is more powerful than the most powerful force that could be imagined. And he is more powerful than any enemy. And, he can, and, and we don't even have to even combat them at all when our eyes are upon Jesus. We just need to trust him. Brethren, I've told you all these things because the Bible tells us these things. But none of these things are our focus. None of it. You need to be aware of it. Don't don't go home and get read books about devils and demons. You don't need to be known about them. You need to know about Jesus. Amen. You need to get your eyes on him. Because everything that the devil throws in your face, God has an answer for. And you can walk in complete victory. And if you're not living in victory, I want you to go home. Do me a favor, go home. If you're a Christian, I want you to go home and look in the mirror and say, I am a victor. I am an overcomer because I've got Jesus. Yeah. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your eyes off those demons and devils. Get your eyes off yourself. And get your eyes on the one who has all power. Amen. Can we close in prayer? Amen.